I've got to be honest and say that I'm, I'm a bit excited and all fired up about this one. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's this, this is what's occurred to me over the last couple of weeks. And it's this, that we know nothing about humility. Okay, and, and I don't want you to take that the wrong way, because I'm not saying you puffed up nation, you. I, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that we don't know anything about humility, and that this passage illustrates how we don't know anything about humility. You see, the common belief about humility, for a church to be humble, what we want is this large gathering of shrinking violets who stutter mouse-like through the community without saying boo to a goose, because that's our impression of humble. This is rubbish, by the way. That's not anything to do with humility at all. Um, cowardice, possibly. Um, lack of self-confidence, probably. Uh, you know, can I just tell you, right, and I really shouldn't tell you this about my mother, but it's a generational thing rather than necessarily my mother, okay? But here's, here's the truth, right? When I was a kid, I used to go home and go, look at this, I've done this really well, look how good this is. And I used to get told, nobody likes a big head, Grail. <laughs> that isn't making me humble. That just means I stop telling people what I'm doing. That's not humble. I know we give the impression that that's humble. This is nonsense. This is a lie. And in some senses, this whole concept of humility as, as a sort of, you know, um, communal fear of being noticed is a fantastic weapon that the devil uses to shut us up. But this is not humility. Humility is not that. And I want to talk a bit about what humility is, but I also want to talk about what humility isn't. And that's quite important. And, and you've probably noticed, I got a bit fired up about this, but, I, but for good reason. And I'd like you to be fired up about this too. And I'd like, if, if there's a penny needs dropping in you today, I would like to hear the hollow clink down at the bottom of your soul as it finally drops. That's what I'd like to hear today. I'm excited and I believe the Holy Spirit has got something for each one of us today. So humility is false humility. This false humility, it's got lots of faces. But false humility is not humility. So humility is not putting ourselves down. It's not humble to go, oh, I'm a bit rubbish like that, oh no. Oh, would somebody else do that? I can't do that. That is not humble. Give it another name. Lots of names. Lack of confidence, perhaps. A, a, a damaged past where you haven't had the encouragement. I'm not meaning this necessarily in a blaming way. It may well be that you've had the confidence ripped out of you. You've been lied to about your gifts and your talents. But what the net result of that is not called humility. It's something else. There's another form of that called, which, which goes, oh, no, no, I'm no good at that. Let somebody else do that, which is a heavily disguised way of going, I can't be bothered. But it's dressed up as humble. It's not humble. It's lazy, but it's not humble. That's not humility. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand? This is false. It's not humility. Humility is not giving up 
or running away. Oh, they're so much better than me. Oh, no, I can't do that. Let someone else do that. That's, that's not humility. That's something else. Humility is not putting on martyrdom like an overcoat. You know exactly, don't tell me you don't know what I mean, because you do. It's not putting on martyrdom like an sacrificing ourselves while we're actually slowly totting up the bill. Yes, you do know what I mean. I can see it. Do you know what I mean? Or we're creating a reckoning of resentment as what we're doing isn't being noticed. And we have a reckoning in our, in our hearts. That is not humility. That is a glorified guilt trip, but it's not humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? It looks like humility. The reason we're fooled by it is because we have this concept of humility, which is this self-effacing, head-down, mousy-like character, this quiet, silent, running round, this backing off, this hiding, this dropping out. But humility isn't any of those things, unless, of course, it is. And I'm sure you're beginning to get here. Humility isn't in the behavior. Humility is in the attitude. And that's where we get to, instead of looking at what humility isn't, ask ourselves about what humility is. So I'm going to give you a, a, a humility is, is presented as some kind of sort of um, uh, inner character. But what we see from our passage today is humility is a very practical thing. Humility is an action. And this is the action of humility. It works like this. Humility is this. We step aside or possibly put aside to allow. We step aside to allow. Now that is very different from we step down to get or we step down to avoid. That's not humility. Humility means that we step aside to allow. Sometimes we put aside to allow God to do things in us. Sometimes we step aside to allow others to grow in areas where we've already grown. But humility is active. It's active. And not only that, but it's functional. It isn't the stepping aside or the putting aside that makes it humble. It is the purpose for which it is being done that is humility. Do you follow me? Tell me you follow me. Are you following this? Good, thank you, because I'm a bit excited this morning, and um, I might race on, and you might go, I don't know what he's talking about at all. Uh, I'm just not clever enough to understand these things that I'll get somewhere. And I would be very disappointed if you did that, because that is a lie. God has called you to have Scripture revealed in your heart as much as the next person. And it is not humble to say, oh, I don't really get these things. I don't know. It might be you've been lied to in the past, 
Might be people have used negative labels on you like stupid and slow. It might be that other people have always been put in your face as much cleverer, or why can't you be? It might be the other way around, which is, ooh, this is a bit difficult, can't be bothered. None of those, however, are humility. These are lies. Humility isn't like that. That isn't the point. Pride, however, is something else entirely. And I want to just talk a little bit about that, because humility is opposite from pride. You see, pride is about being noticed, isn't it? Pride is about being known. It's about being recognized and and praised. Pride is about being right. Pride is about being seen to be right. Sometimes it's about how we are viewed. But, But the thing about pride is it's fragile. See, pride can be nicely dressed up as humility. So when I say stepping aside, okay, I don't mean storming off in a huff. Okay, that's not humble. That's pride. Okay, I don't mean that, well, if you're so good at it, I'll get out of your way and leave you to it. That's not humble. That's pride. That's not the same thing. Looks like it. You know, especially when you give it a bit of time and everybody's forgotten the flouncing that you did and you go, oh no, I don't really get involved in those things. I leave other people to do them. Inside you're going, yes, and they're evil because I should be doing this. No, I know we don't ever let on that that's what we're thinking, but you're not fooling me. Do you know why? Because I'm the same. I'm the same, but that's not humility. That's pride. Pride is not humility. That's the interesting thing. We have to be careful. Do you know what I mean? Not offering because we don't want to help isn't too humble. But it works the same way here. Humility is not about a position. So the people in, if you like, the less prominent positions are not more humble than the people in the more prominent positions. It may well be that we are called into prominent positions, as we said. If it's for teaching, teach. You know, if it's to prophesy, prophesy. These, these are prominent positions. The issue is about what, for what purpose are you doing this? Do I preach to show how clever I am? Do I lead because I love being in charge? And frankly, it stops other stupid people from messing it up which, let's face it, would be a bad thing. Is that why I do it? Then that's not humble. That's proud leadership. That's proud teaching. But do we have to teach that way? Do we have to lead that way? Not at all. In fact, the opposite. Those leaders that manage to enable the maximum number of people in the maximum number of ways are leading generously and are sometimes forgotten by everybody but those that they enabled. Because their prominence is a vehicle to allow others. Now that's humility in leadership. Low, high is not that. Let's be honest. You can do some very lowly tasks in a very proud way. Can't you? And we can harbor, well, maybe you can, but I have a talent. Uh, We can harbor 
resentment in almost every task that we do um, and wonder why other people aren't doing it because after all it's their job and what am I here for? Oh, no, 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 I don't mind. Oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. That's not humility, ladies and gentlemen, that's not humility. That's pride. Funny, isn't it? But we don't want to be proud. We want to be humble. We want humility because humility is a powerful, potent, life-changing thing. Not because it changes other people's lives, though it does, but because it changes your life and my life. That's why we want that humility, but it's active. Are you following me? Please tell me you're following. Are you following this? If you're not, I'll go over it again. I've got all day. (laughs) Trust me. I I thought it was going to be too wet for golf. I can stay here all day and do this again. Really. Um, (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? So here we go. So let's talk about then what it takes to to have humility. And this first point here is, is James Monden to whom I'm very indebted because he nailed it. Well, he was talking about gentleness, but the principle is exactly the same. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised because we're talking about godly character, and therefore the principles of godly character, you would imagine, sort of are transferable. And here is the first one. And you've probably figured this out already because you're very clever. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That humility always comes from a place of strength. Thank you, James. Nailed it, man. Really, really helpful. But it's true. Humility comes from a place of strength, not a place of our strength, strength in Jesus. We just sung it. Thank you, John. Spirit, take us where feet may fail. They may, but our strength is in Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. This has come up twice already today, so it's probably a good thing for me to read. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, remember that? Your relationships with one another should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. I love that translation. Did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Can you see the contrast here. Rather, he made himself nothing, and taking the very nature of service, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There was a need for salvation. He humbled himself. You see, God's perfect glory got in the way of our salvation. God's perfect glory got in the way of our salvation because we couldn't measure up to it. We couldn't stand in it. Does that make sense? So what did Jesus do? But he stepped aside from his glory to allow salvation to come to us. Do you follow? Now that is humility in practice. He stepped aside from his glory to allow salvation to come to us. I'm getting a bit emotional here, but that is remarkable, isn't it? Why did he do that? Because he felt sorry for himself? Did he resent us? 
No. He loved us. He loved us, but he had that strength. Now, I want to just point out here that being humbled is not the same as being humiliated. Now, understand this. Jesus was not humiliated. Humiliation is a form of dominance. Now, that is that it is imposed upon us. Nobody forced Jesus to lay aside his glory. But humiliation is a massive tool in our world. We learn very early on, probably about five or six at the latest, in this society to fear humiliation. And from then on, we make choices about who we mix with and who we don't mix with and what we say and what we don't say and what we look like and what we don't look like because there is a veiled threat of humiliation hanging over us. And you will meet comfortably people in their 80s and even their 90s who are still in that fear. It changes because when you're young, you don't want the labels about being ugly or freakish or misfit or unpopular or whatever. When you get older, you don't like being called wrong or helpless. I'm fine. I can manage. Which is interesting because my little grandchildren say that as well. Is it a full circle? Yes, it is. But it's the same fear. Now, Jesus did not come from fear of humiliation. And he was not humiliated. He was too powerful for that. He came from a position of strength. And we are the same. You see, it, we are loved. We are accepted. We have significance in Jesus. He says, quoting freedom in Christ, but that's because it is absolutely true. We don't need to be prominent. We don't need to be recognized. We don't need to be seen to be right or clever or hardworking, good-looking, popular, successful, self-sufficient, or whatever other image we want people to have, or whatever other image we think keeps us safe from being picked on, mocked, sneered at, seen as weak. These are all pride. They might be defensive pride. They might have good reasons for being there, but they're still weak, fragile. Am I weak and fragile? Yes, I am, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to know that I am weak and fragile. I am vain and puffed up. I still, I catch myself, but I still make decisions on the basis of what I'm going to look like. Those are weak decisions. And sometimes they look humble, but they're not. They're vanity. You might be the same, I don't know. You look humble to me. Because <laughs> on the outside, it looks like one thing, doesn't it? But there you go. That's the first thing I want to say is it comes from there. The second one is this. Because Jesus came because he loved us, humility comes from love. Love is the seed from which humility is grown. Love is the seed from which humility is grown. This is what Paul says, famous chapter, but please, 
I know it's between two very exciting ones, and we think we've heard it all before, but you should revisit this chapter regularly. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a very, very strong position, isn't it? That, that is one tough person who can distribute like that. And guess what? Because of that, they have no need of a personal agenda. So comfortably, in whatever it is, they can step aside to allow, they can step aside to allow others to grow. They can step aside to allow others to be forgiven. They can step aside to allow others to learn. They can step aside to allow God to teach them and discipline them. They can step aside to allow somebody else to be right, even when they're not, but it'll do them good to think they are. They can step aside from that, and they don't have any baggage as a result. That would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? Do you remember? Sometimes I make right decisions and end up with the wrong luggage. Does that happen to you? Yeah, you know what I mean? I head for the right destination, but I take the wrong luggage with me. I've got more baggage than Terminal 5 sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know that. And yet I've done the right thing. That's not humility. It should be, but it isn't. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's because I'm either not coming from a place of strength or not coming from a place of love. But love is gentle. Love is kind. It keeps no records of wrong. Remember we talked before. What's, what's your record collection look like? How regularly do you play it? My record of wrongs. But it isn't because, you see, fear, fear is what drives pride. And pride is what keeps us fixed because we can't move. We're terrified. We're going to be humiliated. We're going to be wrong. We're going to be seen as weak. There's going to be a climb down. We're going to be overlooked. Somebody's going to put a label on us. Love, on the other hand, has no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Are you following this? Okay, one last thing, just so you know. The, the passage, or the environment, if you like, in which humility flourishes is the same attitude as Jesus. So remember Philippians 2, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset in the, in the translation, which I actually quite like. I quite like this mindset. Thinking should be the same because Jesus' attitude was this. Jesus was prepared to wash his disciples' feet. Why? Because it was important for them to understand servanthood. So it was about putting aside his robe and being a servant so that they could put aside their robes and be servants.
You know what I'm saying? Think of those, think of those businesses and those jobs. Maybe you've had one where there are menial tasks and the boss is as willing to do them as anybody else. Does that have an impact on that company? I think you find it does. I think you find it does. It's a good attitude. It's a good mindset. There's humility. I am not above this, and nor are you. But I'm putting this aside so that you can see. He was the sacrificer. He gave the perfect holiness, and he did that. So Paul outlines in Romans, and we were just seeing it. I just thought it was a good one. I mean, there's lots, but just because it's a good list, because it has prominent and non-prominent things. It has ordinary and extraordinary situations. It has menial and exceptional opportunities in the passage. And I really like that because that's the whole point, is that humility is a mindset. We don't apply it to one circumstance and not to another, or deal in one place and not in another. It is a way of thinking. It is about understanding what that is. And, and however imperfectly, and I accept that I've, I've worked quite hard to get this, I've found myself a bit swamped in the subject matter, is however imperfectly, even if we've just opened the subject today, we get the concept that humility is not this sort of, you know, wallflower attitude, but humility from a position of strength driven by love allows us to put aside and step aside so that things can happen. Things in other people, things in us. That's what I want us to understand, that, that attitude. So here's the question. What should we do? Okay, I just want to ask you to do a couple of things. The first one is this. Stop. Just stop and examine yourself. Just ask yourself, by what I do, am I letting God work in my life? Or have I got no-go areas? By what I do, am I allowing others to grow and flourish? Or am I encouraging them to recognize how I'm doing? By what I do, by what I say, by how I serve, what is coming out of that? Are we releasing others? Or is there some pride here that says, well, I'm not going to climb down because I've resisted this long and therefore I'm going to look stupid or wrong or whatever. I'm not going to because they should. And you may well be right, they, they should. But even so, if you're from a position of strength, you can step aside, can't you? No, because they should. I, I, I know they should. So I'll tell them and then I'll step aside. No, 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 you're not getting it then. Do you understand what I'm saying? From a position of strength. Is that? Do you need to step aside from your sense of injustice to allow forgiveness to come through? Do you need to step aside from your fear of being overlooked to allow others to flourish? Do you need to step aside from your need to be in control 
to allow other people to do a much worse job than you would do, but be encouraged by being allowed the chance. Do you need to do these things? Stop examining yourself. Who are we enabling by what we do? The next one is obvious. If we're going to stop, and I'm not going to spend much time on this because it's obvious. Well, that means there's a whole list of things we need to let go, isn't there? And sometimes letting go is a real pride issue. It is for me. I struggle. I once got wronged, just so I can tell you. I once got wronged and it went a long way into legal procedures and everything. Something wrong was said about me. And after I was completely exonerated, I didn't get a good night's sleep for 18 months. It was the last thing I thought about before I went to bed, and it was the first thing I thought about when I got up in the morning. It took a long, God did a work in me, but boy, did he have his work cut out. Sometimes it's not easy to let go. I think most of us know that. Get us, get us on the right nerve, you know what I mean? Get us on the right thing, and, and we struggle. But it's important because that was pride in me. But what, I wasn't allowing God to do anything in me. It was a no-go. I had to step aside from it to allow God to do. And the last thing I want to say is this. Aspire to humility. You should make it a goal. I need to make this a goal. I need to aspire. I want to ask you a question. Who do you admire? Do you admire people who are humble? Because sometimes we admire people who are proud and brash and up there, and we really think that's something to be lauded and admired. And it is rather impressive. And you do have extra machinery that you can use to make somebody look even more impressive. And you can, of course, dress it up in the media and give people five-minute sound bites where they can see the impressiveness and not see the temper tantrums, and so on and so on. But are we taken in by that, or do we admire humility in others? Because if we're going to aspire to humility in ourselves, do we admire humility? And do we admire, finally, finally, the humility that is in Jesus, that He doesn't push us, and He doesn't beat us up, and he doesn't chase us. He's just there. And will we step aside and let him do, let him do what he needs to do in you? Let's aspire to humility. Sorry if I got a bit excited. It just seems like a big one. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like a big one. But it can be a big one for you and for me. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will grow us as a church in humility. It's not our desire to be a body of shrinking violets and wallflowers. But Lord, it's also not our desire to be uh, victims to the threat of humiliation. It's not our desire to be pushed aside people. But on the other hand, Lord, we want to come from a position of strength and love and have the attitude of Jesus, that we are not insecure and are therefore able to step aside or put aside to allow you to work, to allow others to flourish and allow needs 
to be met. Lord, just give us the humility we need. Really challenge us today, I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.